my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking. When we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. All right, you are back with the Mark Moss Show, where each and every week I'm going to talk to you about Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, the decentralized revolution, and what I am saying is the biggest asymmetric opportunity that you'll ever see in your lifetime, in multiple lifetimes. And of course, we take advantage of those asymmetric opportunities by having asymmetric information, which is information most people don't have. So welcome back. Thanks for sticking with me. I brought a couple of my good friends into the studio with me today because, you know, probably don't want to hear me talking for all this time and so let's get some perspective there's a couple good stories i want to talk about you're lonely man i got uh, i got alex in with me in the studio i got jessica in the studio with me what's up guys yo hey what's up man so uh yeah you know we just i was uh, talking earlier just about some of this big news that's been going on in the bitcoin space and um one of the biggest pieces of news i saw this week was uh china uh, always dominating the news headlines and uh seems like they again yeah, again they've uh, they've banned bitcoin i think it's now the eighth or ninth time i think at least and um what's it what this year or yeah this year over the years you know and it's like i mean that's what it feels like it's like sorry this this just reminds me of that meme you know like um uh, what is it? It was like this. It was the South Park thing, like you know, where, where they're doing prank calls, and it's like the it's the Chinese dude doing the prank call, and it's like, you know, we wanna we wanna, 
make scare someone into believing something so that they can sell something i can't remember what the meme was and it's like you know and the, the dude's like but we just used this last week and she's like don't worry do it again yeah. and it's like all right we're gonna do it again it's like the same thing again so I, I actually didn't hear about this until i just saw um the notes i was like uh okay so didn't they just ban it like three weeks ago i've started I to know. just well, call me stupid but whatever yeah, they tried. I started to, uh, to just tune out anything about it being banned in China or India, any of that. It makes no difference. It's it's just like noise now. It is, it is noise, but I think it's also important for two reasons why I think it's important. So the first thing that's important to understand about them banning it again is uh, the first thing is why. Why would they do that? And that's one. And then and I think that's important because depending on why, understand that will help you understand what maybe your country might be thinking about doing at some point. The other thing that is under, important to understand is that when you're looking at bear and bull markets, um, when markets stop going down on bad news, you're kind of bottomed out, right? And so uh, this is big news mm -hmm. again, China bans it, all cryptocurrency ban. This is the final ban, no one can trade it, but yet the market didn't even budge. And so to kind of your, the both points to me you guys made, like the market's kind of numb to it. Like uh, ninth time again, like, oh, big deal. Yeah, no one cares, man. No one cares. Yeah, no one cares. Like at this point, it's like, all right, China's good. It's, it's kind of like, general reminds me of, it's like a little toddler, you know, just crying and crying and crying and crying. It's, um, you know, and then it's like, no, no one cares anymore. Like, it's all right. Like it's, you know, we move on. No one cares keep crying and like people have moved on with their lives. I don't know. I think they've got to come up with a new sort of uh, scare tactic. Maybe they should say China embraces Bitcoin and then we'll all be like, uh-oh, something's really up. Like that would scare me. If China turned around and said, we're going to make it a national currency, I'd be selling all my Bitcoin. Like it's game over. I'm out of here. Like th th that would be a bad sign for me. Yeah, so definitely the markets are numb to it, and I think that's okay. But um, the one piece I saw in this news article I wanted to just grab, which was interesting, was uh, they said that, um, quote, in order to safeguard people's properties, and the most important part, and maintain economic, financial, and social order. And so it's like that piece. So they did it to, to safeguard people's properties. Yeah, whatever. But maintain economic, financial and social order and like and when they say that basically what they're, it sounds like to me what they're saying is that um by people having the freedom to choose where they want to store their wealth and value or use what they want as money that is a threat to the financial and social order i mean is that what you guys are hearing obviously i mean th th this sort of reminds me of like you know what what does a prison guard exist for to maintain you know proper order inside the prison so that the prisoners don't run amok like it's the same thing like you know i mean that's that's the first analogy that comes to mind to me i don't know just what you think but jesus oh well i um remember there were some theories before about when they make bitcoin illegal and bitcoin mining illegal it was really just the state seizing control of operations because you can see there's something online where you can see all the active miners and they all still stay in China. It's not like they necessarily displaced by the, you know, hundreds and thousands. They're all still there. So what does making something illegal to Chinese citizens necessarily mean as far as China's continued participation in Bitcoin? Because I'm sure the government of China still owns all kinds of Bitcoin. Yeah, like my, my two cents here is like, for, from what I understand, Jokes aside, like, I mean, I, I actually didn't realize there was another ban, but 
the last one was a genuine like crackdown on mining infrastructure and all that sort of stuff and and that was supposed to be the big ban and we actually saw the ramifications of that because we actually saw the hash rate drop right right but now you know the hash rates uh picked up again and it's it's recovered i don't think it's recovered the whole way but like th- that was like in live action a major attempt at an attack on the bitcoin network right and the sort of the bitcoin network kind of like a, what complex systems do it it absorbed the attack and then it routed around it, it which is exactly what the network was supposed to do and and on a grand scale you had extra hashes worth of like computing power reroute around the world in live action and the network didn't skip a beat like you know we saw a bit of a slowdown on blocks but then it it kicked off again and it, and it continued so 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 that was like the biggest baseball bat that they could take and like whack and nothing happened so they're like oh man jesus this thing doesn't stop so it's like all right quick throw another ban at it this time let's like you know that didn't work Let, let's let's try what we did last year and let's ban the traders again and you know the ability to hold it and all this sort of stuff and like you know again whatever narrative they're going to give like the prison narrative and the order narrative and the whatever narrative it's, it's like a crying toddler like as i said but it, it just doesn't do anything it's it's you, you can't beat a complex system by applying like a linear methodology and, and and that's where you know all of these central planners and blah 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 that we've always sort of been talking about they, they just can't like they can't win well what it does do though is well one thing that's interesting about that comment is it's exactly what christine lagarde who's previously with the imf and now with the with the international monetary fund now with the european central bank and she said quoting her that innovation is a threat to financial stability and whoa did she say that that's hilarious yeah, well she said yes. that a while ago they, and it's, they and don't want they don't <laughs> want you having any workarounds and peer-to-peer payment methods yeah. and things that you, where we can circumvent without their you better not think jess you better not think you better not innovate you better stay in your corner madam and really it's not a threat well, to it's not a threat to financial stability it's a threat to their financial monopoly that's what it is hell yeah hell yeah amen and so I just think it's important to understand what they're really saying because then it gives us insight into what they're really thinking and, and then um, what may potentially be kind of the trigger points for other countries that control their own currencies like the European Central Bank or like the United States Federal Reserve where like they really want to take away that safety valve or that release valve, right, where they, they don't want to allow people to um, escape. Um, well, it's kind of like imagine imagine if you're on the Titanic. So, so uh, like I actually kind of feel for these guys because imagine if you're like you're, you're on the Titanic and we're coming back to this. Let, let's let's talk about the Titanic. I want to talk about the lifeboats because that's an important thing that everybody needs to know. So, um, I want to talk about the what we call the lifeboats and what does that mean? Because we're on a sinking ship like this Titanic. Um, what those safety boat those safety valves are. I want to talk about why potentially they don't want us to have those. Um, and then um, I also want to discuss between the three of us, um, what do we think the United States is going to do about that? Do they want to take away the safety valves? Do they want to take away the lifeboats that we have as well? So we're going to talk about those couple things. And then I also want to talk about what the uh, maybe uh, we'll call him infamous um, um, CEO of Tesla. We're talking about Elon Musk, what he has to say about the government and taking away safety boats and safety valves. He was in an interview this week um, and he had some pretty interesting things to say. And I know there's a polarity. Some of us have different views about him, but it was interesting. Some of the comments that he said. So we're going to talk about those things when we come back. 
All right, you're back with the Mark Moss Show, where I'm going to bring to you the latest in Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, and the decentralized information each and every week. Follow me on Twitter. I'm the number one Mark Moss. At me, ask me your questions, and we'll talk about them next week as well. I'm here with my good friends Alex Fetsky and Jessica Vaughn, and we are talking about China banning Bitcoin again for the eighth or ninth time, and specifically the comment that they made about Bitcoin being a threat to financial stability and order. And if we read between the lines, what they're really saying is that they don't want to allow people to have an outlet, a safety valve. They want everyone to stay on the sinking ship. And before we went to break, I know, Alex, you were talking about that safety boat, that kind of lifeboat analogy. So jump back in on that. Yeah. So, 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 so the way I was going to try and frame it was to kind of like feel sorry for the maniacs, which is imagine you're on a sinking ship and you know that like you, you, you're sinking and you're starting to panic. What you don't want is everybody to start freaking out and jumping on the lifeboats and going, ah, we're all going to die and sort of, you know, sort of like going overboard and leaving. So, so of course, like, you know, they're freaking out. Now, now this is not what a courageous person does. This is what like a, the, you know, a, a captain who would be a loser does. And, you know, he'll be like, you know, we're all going down together. Um, and, you know, wanting to kind of under the guise of, oh, we must maintain orderliness because we can somehow save the ship. And maybe it's naivete. Maybe they don't think they're sinking. Maybe they think if we all just stay on here uh, and if we all just, you know, in solidarity, you know, be together with Big Brother, um, we, we won't all die. And, and maybe they actually think that this thing is, you know, not unraveling, um, you know, well, I maybe they not, think they have a chance to survive. So it's like, don't get on the ship. Don't freak everyone else out. Well, what happens is it takes away their tools, right? So like they want to control the monetary supply and they want to control the, um, the interest rates. Um, but then when the interest rates get so low and the monetary supply gets so high, they're causing inflation, people want to leave. Um, but mm -hmm. when people leave, they lose their controls because <laughs> now they can't control people with the money and interest rates because people left. And so, um, yeah, I guess it just sends the ship down even faster. The ship's already going down and it just sends it, it down even faster, I guess. Yeah, it's like the, the, the only so, so what I think what their biggest risk is, is if they don't sort of uh, use a heavy hand, even the people who help them pull the levers internally will be like, man, screw this. This place is, you know, going to hell. I'm out of here. And then kind of because they, they kind of need internal people to function as well. So I can appreciate the panic from a Christine Lagarde who apparently believes that innovation is going to kill us all, um, you know based on her hypothesis we should be walking around with like you know it's not, it's not uh, it loincloths it's not that it kills us all innovation does it's called creative destruction right so new creativity mm -hmm. kills mm -hmm. the old way and it's supposed to and so she is right innovation does threaten the financial system because it's supposed to it creates a new better way which kills the old way i want to jump uh, i'm, jump I'm really great Oh, go ahead, Jess. I'm really grateful that she said that because it makes me feel like we're on to the right thing. Like, okay, if, if they're totally. concerned that we can opt out of this behavioral modification tool that they're designing, uh, total dependency on uh, fiat currency, then, then it means that we're doing the right thing. Yeah. And, and it means that they see this and, and uh, you know, when, when something is so good, it just it kills the old way because it's that 
much better. Now, I want to just jump gears a little bit, and then let's look at some uh, some of the positivity. Now, if you're just tuning in right now, you're listening to the Mark Moss Show, and talking about Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, and the decentralized revolution. And we're talking about Bitcoin uh, being banned again by China. But um, that's why China and potentially other governments may want to ban it. But the, it also creates opportunities. And we talk about this like game theory. Um, where if everybody wants to ban it, but a few countries make it legal, how it can actually uh, work out really good for those countries. And so um, potentially, maybe this could be a big opportunity for the United States. Uh, we have seen where when they shut down the mining a few months ago, a lot of those miners, a good majority of them moved to the United States, big opportunity. And so then the question becomes, will, will, will the U.S. follow in China's footsteps or will they embrace this opportunity? And I want to talk about something and I want to I want to get Jess's we're going to get Jess's opinion on this one first. Uh, and this is Elon Musk, and he was interviewed by Kara Swisher. Oh, God. This she week can take the opinion. At the annual <laughs> invite-only code conference. And I'm picking Jessica because I know she doesn't like to speak publicly about Elon Musk. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to put it to her. But, oh, no. uh, did, you, did you date him as well? Oh, good. Uh, but uh, he said, uh, you know, Elon Musk argued that global government should steer clear of trying to regulate Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. That's what he argued. And he said, quote, I'm going to read it to you. Quote, it is not possible to, I think, destroy crypto, but it is possible for governments to slow down its advancement, end quote. And then he went on to say, quote, I would say do nothing, end quote. So, Jess, what do you think about Elon Musk's uh, take on that right there? Well, uh, his business plan for Tesla and, and his own uh, personal wealth, he, he owns Bitcoin. Tesla owns Bitcoin and he um, personally owns Bitcoin. So, of course, he doesn't want to suggest to government to um, take an axe to his plan advancing forward with his business and his own personal wealth like why would he want anything different and um i don't think that he spoke over um boisterously about it or anything and i, I think it's reflective of most people's opinions especially in the crypto space i mean why why would you need to to why would you need to suggest to government that they should take a heavy-handed regulating something that you own you don't want that of course yeah i, I was I, i'm grateful that um that was his take maybe yeah. Maybe well, think, um, the high regard people hold of him, they'll take that under consideration. <laughs> well, I think as an innovator, he gets it, right? So like he's an innovator, he's he's in inventing, and uh, he realizes that if an inventor had to go to the government to get permission before they created something, it would probably never happen. They say like if the Wright brothers had to get permission to build an airplane, it probably never would have happened. And so I think Elon Musk... Um, recognizes that if the government puts this regulation on top of it, it's only going to stifle innovation, which of course is exactly what Christine Lagarde was saying they want to stop. So, right. Uh, I, I personally hope that um, Elon Musk is on the side of freedom. I know there's some some debate about that as far as uh, him being a polarizing figure, um, but I think he's with freedom. Yeah, well, uh, we don't have to debate that so much as we can say that he's apparently, per his quotes here, he's definitely on the side of innovation. And so um, letting innovation happen, which I think is important. Um, and speaking of innovation, there was another big thing that happened this week that I know both you and I got to participate in, which was pretty cool. And that is the, the integration. And we're seeing this, and, and, and I, I don't want to understate this, um, 
And again, real quick before I tell you about that, um, you are listening to the Mark Moss Show on the iHeartRadio Network. And I want to talk about um, some innovation that happened this week with technology integration that is going to make a massive, massive impact. Some people are saying this could push Bitcoin's price above $300,000, but it's not even about that. It's paving the way for an entire new economy. Um, and we're going to talk about that. I want to talk about the pieces of technology that got integrated. Um, like I said, Jess and I both got invited into this program and we've been using it. Um, I've been using it today. I want to explain that to you. Um, but really, I want to talk about how cool it is, but more importantly, how it changes the economy. And most importantly, this incentive structure of providing value back and forth. We're going to talk about this opportunity as soon as we get back. So hang on. All right, you are back with the Mark Moss Show. This is a brand new show where I talk about Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, the decentralized revolution and what I am calling the biggest opportunity that you'll ever see in your life, uh, will ever see in multiple generations. And the best way to take advantage of asymmetric opportunities like this is by having asymmetric information. You have to know things that the majority of people don't know. You have to be an early adopter. And so if you tune in with me each and every week, you're gonna have that information to participate, to take advantage of this. So take a second, real quick, while you're listening, pull out your phone, put a calendar reminder for this very time on this station, come back every single week. Also, send me a tweet, uh, one Mark Moss, the number one Mark Moss at me, ask me a question. I'll make sure to answer on the show next week. All right. So we are talking about, uh, we're, we're switching gears. I'm with my good friends, Jessica Vaughn and Alex Fetsky. And um, we are talking about uh, a new innovation that just happened this week um, that I think has massive implications for the way the world moves forward. And so let me explain that what, uh, what that is. And so uh, Jessica, Alex, myself, we're content creators. Um, you can find us all on Twitter at Jessica Vaughn and at uh, Ghostus Fetsky. That's it. <laughs> uh, at Ghostus Fetsky, at Jessica Vaughn, and of course, at One Mark Moss. You can find us there. And what's interesting is this new technology that happened. And so this week, Twitter rolled out some new innovation that has um, integrated direct Bitcoin payments into the Twitter app. And um, what it's done, I think they've also kind of partnered up with Substack and OpenNode, uh, but mainly with Twitter and Strike, they've built an application, a way to um, put Twitter, I'm, I'm sorry, put Bitcoin payments right into Twitter. And uh, shout out to Jack Mahlers, who's really leading the charge in some of this innovation and has invited me to the, uh, the beta group. So thank you, Jack. Um, and Jessica, I got that installed today, this morning, and already leading up to this show, I was starting to get tips. People were literally sending me Bitcoin. And my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. 
LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. I have to say, you know, we learn about these things, we talk about them, and we have this viewpoint, but to see it, like when we were all down in El Salvador, to see it, it gives you a different perspective. And so all of a sudden today, I'm getting tips um, from anonymous people, but people that follow me on Twitter. Um, Thank you for that. And it made me just think, it shifted my mindset on this a little bit. So think about this for a second, guys. it made me think it's a new way of exchanging value. If I can give value to other people, they can directly pay me back um, with tips without having any intermediaries, without anybody in the middle, without rent seekers. Now, I got a lot of dollar tips. That was pretty cool. Someone sent me a five cent tip and whatever, five cents, that's cool, but there's no way to pay five cents normally. And so I just think uh, it's hard for us to imagine right now, but the way this is going to change uh, content creators and this value exchange. What are your thoughts on that, Jess? Uh, well, I just got done while you were um, while you were talking, sending you a tip because I wanted to make that my first transaction uh, because you bring me so much value, of course. So I just <laughs> set it up this morning, which is super exciting. Th- thank you, Jack Mahlers. Um, so I'm just so excited because I just got to pay you in Bitcoin and use the Lightning Network uh, through Strike, and I didn't have to part with any Bitcoin. And to me, that's the biggest part. Um, but how exciting wait, wait, is wait, this? What? Imagine wait what? When, wait, what? You just paid me in Bitcoin I, without parting in Bitcoin? No, I put I put um, some U.S. dollars from my bank account in there, and I didn't even I didn't even have to. So somebody oh, can tip yeah. me in Bitcoin using this network through Twitter, and they don't have to have Bitcoin. Mm. 
they don't they don't have to have any of that no you know because we all want to hodl our bitcoin of course we're not trying to spend right. it right now it's also the mo world's most beautiful asset so why would we want to spend it well now i don't have to but yeah. i get to use and participate in bitcoin and support bitcoin in the network and support you without having to part with my bitcoin how how crazy cool is that and i think this is so amazing also because um when retail stores understand that they can let consumers who already have these digital wallets to let the consumers use that in their stores and now they don't have to pay these fees to visa and mastercard that's a huge game changer how exciting yeah yeah, yeah. you're the check out with twitter you're listening to the Mark Moss Show, and we're talking about this brand new integration uh, with Twitter and Lightning and uh, Strike, and really the way it changes the relationship of content creators and uh, people that, that absorb that content. And really, it's the it's the incentive behind the value structure. And so, even this morning, I started thinking to myself, "Shoot, how can I provide even more value?" Like I literally found myself thinking that, "How can I provide even more value so I get more tips?" What do you think about that, Alex? Look, man, I've um, I've had a dream since I was young to to start my OnlyFans page, and now <laughs> I can do it on Twitter, and I don't even have to do it. Like I don't even have to build a page. No. It's um, seriously, this is this is really cool. I what what can I say? I, unless I get banned on Twitter again, um, I I think this will be a great way to like sort of generate some. It's like a it's like a side hustle for the stuff that a lot of people do already and 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 what makes it really interesting is that like for traditional let, let me put it this way 10 15 20 years ago like before the internet really took off and blogs and all that sort of stuff let's say it's actually even been longer now 25 30 years ago like if you want to make money from generating content you like literally had to work for a newspaper you had to write a book uh, you know you know you had to work for a radio station or, or a tv station right you had to be part of like the production apparatus and over the last two decades two and a half decades you know that that kind of the opportunities broadened and you were able to become like a, a blogger and things like that. And that particularly in the last, I'd say 10 years, like blogging creator. became, yeah, you, you were able to become a content creator, influencer and use all those sort of things. But you were still sort of bound by getting paid from like via advertising or shilling something and like, um, right. you know, selling somebody else's product and, you know, f referrals and affiliate systems and stuff like that. There was no direct way to monetize content because it's just uneconomical for people to pay you small amounts of money. So this thing like breaks all of that. And, and, and for me, it's like Bitcoin is a communication medium. And, and I've always said this, like on the more philosophical discussions that we have, it's, you know, Bitcoin is pure, perfect money. And money is like an energy transmission mechanism. It, you know, it's, it's a communication medium. And this kind of takes Bitcoin's, uh, sorry, takes Twitter's already broad network and allows us to not only use it to transmit uh, speech and like abuse each other in 160 characters, but it allows us to actually tip each other. And, um, you know, like it's, it's, I think it's a big deal, man. Super big deal. But I think it's even bigger than that, right? So um, I think it's, it's- Well, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's the start of something so much larger, right? Exactly. And that's, yeah. that's my point. It's the start of something so much larger. And it's kind of like, uh, you know, uh, in my first segment, I was talking about um, these technological revolutions, how when electricity came out, I mean, electricity, it was, like, it was like a digital candle. Like, I don't need a digital candle. Candles work fine. 
Well, we did. We didn't just need an electric uh, electric candle, but where mm-hmm. what does electricity mm-hmm. allow us to do today? And so the way this fundamentally shifts, and we always talk about with Bitcoin, how it changes the incentive structure. And so, right, Charlie Munger says, "Show me the incentives, I show you the outcome." And so it changes this incentive structure um, to, like I said, even myself this morning, I found myself thinking, "How could I provide even more value?" Which, of course, I always try and do. Um, but but I think that's big. And then the other thing is uh, a lot of people don't know is that um, recently, I think in the last month or two, um, PayPal teamed up with the Anti-Defamation League. And per the Anti-Defamation League, they're going to make a list of everybody that they think shouldn't be able to get payments. And they were going to provide that list to PayPal. And PayPal is now going to censor all payments to anybody on this list. And even bigger than that, they agreed to share this list with all the other financed payment companies out there. And so, oh, Alex, you talk about this or oh, WikiLeaks, we can't pay this or you talk about this or your country doesn't allow this. And so um, this is peer to peer content creation. And I think it's the start of this of incentive shift, uh, this pay for content, pay for value, a value transfer. Um, and it's so much bigger. So I want to talk about that in just a second. Talk about maybe we can spend a minute uh, forecasting where that can go. Because as I've been saying um, on the Mark Moss Show on the iHeartRadio Network, that having this asymmetric information is what allows you to have this asymmetric upside, which is, as I've been saying, the biggest opportunity we'll ever see. So we'll be back with that in just a second. All right, you are back listening to The Mark Moss Show. Thanks so much for joining me, where I am going to talk about Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, the decentralized revolution, and literally the biggest opportunity that you'll ever see in your lifetime, multiple lifetimes and generations. And the only way that you can have the full opportunity and benefit from this is by having information that the majority, what I might call the herd, doesn't have yet. And so tune in with me each and every week. Set your uh, uh, calendar right now. Mark it for this time, this uh, channel and come back with me each and every week. I'm with my good friends, Jessica Vaughn, at Jessica Vaughn on Twitter, and Alex Fetsky is at Ghost of Svetsky. Of course, I am um, at one Mark Moss. Send us a tweet, ask us a question. We'll try to answer it next week when we come back. Um, but we are in the middle of talking about how, <laughs> uh, I hate to say the biggest, because man, all these shifts are just so massive and it's hard to imagine where they're going. But um, this week, uh, we're talking about how um, Twitter rolled out in conjunction with uh, Strike. Um, the ability to send Bitcoin to people on Twitter and um, the way that it changes the incentive structure. And so, like, um, it's kind of like if we were watching this, like, futuristic, you know, we watch one of these movies in the future and they go back in time. And when they go back in time, they say, don't touch anything, because if you even touch the smallest thing, it could you know, completely change the future. And so we understand from that, like this small shift, like what could that mean in the future? And so uh, we were talking about the ability to you know, change the incentive structure where now we can provide more value, get paid directly back for the value that we provide from, from the people who receive the value, as opposed to needing this third party advertiser in the middle that we may or may not agree with. Um, and even more importantly, it allows us, especially in today's day and age, which is more and more cancel culture and, you know, we can't have tolerance for people anymore. And PayPal's teaming up with the Anti-Defamation League to block payments to people. Um, and Bitcoin is censorship resistant. I can't be censored. 
If I want to send money to someone or someone wants to send money to me, it doesn't matter what PayPal or ADL has to say about it. It's censorship resistant. I know, Alex, you want to say something about that. Yeah, I was going to. So I actually have a, a thing about the censorship resistance that I want to say. But before I say that, I just want to kind of put my opinion about PayPal. Like, I, I hate PayPal. I've always hated PayPal. I think it's a really crap product because, I mean, even just let's let's put aside the the, the financial censorship that they have. It's just a really bad um App like I remember, I, I was trying to sell a speaker while I was in Germany um, that I'd bought, and the dude came. He um, he he, I think he, he no, I I paid for the speaker. Sorry, I was buying a speaker. That's what I was doing. I, I I bought the speaker off this dude on eBay. He came, he showed it to me, and it was all like broken and smashed. I was like, yeah, well, dude, I I don't want this um, because you know, I don't want it. So like, he took it back, and then. I had to like fight PayPal to get a to get a refund, but they charged me uh, euros on uh, on my Australian dollar card. So they they hit me with a conversion, and then on the refund, they hit me with a conversion on the back. So I like I paid five hundred uh, euros for this speaker, which cost me like seven hundred Australian dollars, and then they gave me back four hundred and fifty euros. <laughs> like took me six months to get my money back, and like th- th- this is like the kind of the yeah, dinosaurs but, but, that we're dealing if with. I may, if I may jump in on that, Alex, though, but, um, you know, Bitcoin is immutable. And mm-hmm. so um, with Bitcoin, you wouldn't have been able to get your money back at all. Uh, with Bitcoin, I would have been able to pay him instantly. So with PayPal, I had to prepay. No good, but you would have got the speaker that was no good and then you had no way to get your money back. No, 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 no. So, so I could have paid him when I saw him. The problem with this was like I had to check out with eBay. I had to do all that sort of stuff, and you know, like, and then the conversion fees were actually what killed it. So, 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 so that's sort of that piece. But anyway, coming back to the censorship resistance. So, like, so, so my thing on that is yes, Bitcoin is censorship resistant. Like, the the risk here is sort of like, you know, Twitter is not censorship resistant, as we all know. So it's these two coming together combined are really important but it, the, the this is kind of to your earlier point it's bitcoin's integration into communication media is the big idea here twitter is like a great way to bootstrap it but as this starts to seep into everything what's actually going to happen and, and this is this is actually a piece that i've been arguing for such a long time is all these people who run around and say we need to build a decentralized uh social media decentralized everything they're wrecked now like you literally do not need to build a decentralized social media you need to build in decentralized payments into social media because then what happens is people go and get monetized on social media networks that do the least censoring because if you censor all your people off they go somewhere else you actually demonetize yourself and people go somewhere else so so at the moment everything's sort of run by advertisers and you know they can sort of create these walled gardens etc etc so so now by bitcoin integrating in all to, in all sorts of communication mediums or media you end up creating incentives for people to add value where they can right so so it actually creates competition in the space and makes censorship uh economic suicide something you said there actually just struck me right so it was like right now the the social media platforms are run or really influenced the most by their advertisers 100 but 
But when the advertisers don't matter anymore because the content creators themselves are getting paid, it decentralizes Ta-da. that need. And now the content creators hold the power, but it's a decentralized power instead of having one giant entity doing that. What do you think about that, Jess? I am uh, so excited for the future. It's a nice dose of, of hope. And these days, I really need that. It's cool because we're, we're, we're literally witnessing it happening in real time. And if, if, you don't, if you don't take the time to think about it, discuss it like we're doing, and really just, I guess, you know, be grateful for it and like really see the power that it could have for the future, uh, and then you don't have the hope. And, and we all need that hope, right, Jess? I guess that's what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I, w- I want to just add one bit of nuance there, dude, is um, the, just, just what you said about it decentralizes all of this stuff. And, and the nuance there is it's, again, it's not one decentralized platform that we need, is we need multiple mediums of communication that compete, which creates a broader global decentralized communication network. So it's not just one place. So that's the thing. It's like we don't need effectively a decentralized version of Twitter. That's not what we need. We need right. Twitter to compete with Substack, to compete with Medium, to compete with, you know, whatever other idea that is out there where, you know, the advertisers have less bite uh, and where the content where the content creators can monetize themselves directly. Like, and, and that, that right there is like, again, it's incentives and competition. That's what equalizes everything. You look at anything in nature, competition yeah. equalizes everything. So that's, that's what Bitcoin fixes. Yeah, on the competition aspect, uh, I can tell you firsthand, I'm over here in Puerto Rico. And uh, this week, we're uh, on my side of the island. The power's been in and out all week, um, 12 hours at a time. And the poor people, unfortunately, I mean, they don't have any money. And they're, they're 90 degree heat, no air conditioning, their food spoiling. There's no lights, no nothing. I was able to leave to the other side of the island and get a nice hotel. And, and I was trying to you know, explain to people, like, it, if, if there was competition, these electricity companies would be, you know, incentivized to provide better service and better prices. And if my power went out, I would leave to the competitors. So they'd make sure the power never went out. Um, but when there is no competition, <laughs> they can just do whatever they want and they don't, they don't have to care what happens, I guess. There's so much more that we can talk about that, and we certainly will. We're going to come back each and every week here on the Mark Moss Show on the iHeartRadio Network and talk about uh, Bitcoin, um, cryptocurrencies, the decentralized revolution, and really the big opportunity, um, the hope that it provides for the world, the opportunities it has. I'm here with my good friends Jessica Vaughn, at Jessica Vaughn on Twitter, and Alex Fetsky. He's at Ghost of Fetsky on Twitter. Of course, I am one Mark Moss on Twitter. Follow us all. Send us a tweet. Tell us you heard us on the iHeartRadio network. We'd love to uh, continue this conversation on. I have coming up next, Alex Gladstein, who is gonna be sitting down with me. And the reason why I chose Alex Gladstein for the very first episode of my iHeart show is because he is leading the forefront on human rights. And I believe that's the most important thing. I don't wanna set a foundation of talking about money I want to talk about changing the world and solving human rights. So I'm going to be back with Alex Gladstein in a minute on the Mark Moss Show on the iHeartRadio Network. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. 
Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.